0: Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. With over 200,000 locations throughout the U.S. and offering 12,000 different types of batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery store today and let them help you find the right batteries for your everyday life. Welcome to another episode. I'm going to get into a few questions that I receive via email. Some folks will say things like, Hey, how do I know when your next podcast episode is coming out? Uh, I do them every other week. And the best way to do it is just subscribe. Subscribe via uh, you know, iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or Google Play. The other way is you can head on over to the website at freshwaterbite.com and check it out there or the nation.com. And the way you find them on your podcast program that you use is just simply type in Freshwater Bite and you'll see my logo come up. Just hit subscribe and those episodes will automatically upload into your library when available. But on today's episode, I have Eric Long on the podcast from Longline Charters. And it was interesting because when I interviewed Eric, he had just gotten off the water and he was telling me Uh, What a challenging day he had. And then I kind of picked his brain about what was challenging about it and how, and then he went into, you know, the conditions changed and the water temperatures changed and the wind changed. And it was interesting to hear how he dissected and adapted to the conditions. So I hope you guys get a lot of value from that. And also Eric comes on the podcast to help me talk about the infamous silver bass, AKA white bass run that uh, happens on the Detroit river and how you can take advantage of that why it's really not a bad thing even though some some anglers get annoyed with it but uh i think they're a fish just with a bad name and i hopefully bring new light to that so without any further ado let's get right into it with eric from Longline charters uh well hey thanks for taking the time to do the podcast i really appreciate it yeah no problem uh so i'm guessing uh, as we were talking earlier you're just now getting off the water right
1: yeah, we uh, just got off the Detroit River.
0: How'd it go today?
1: Uh, actually, it was slower than average. Um, I don't know what day it's today. I think it was April twenty seventh or eighth. It's it's really cold. It was like thirty degrees this morning, and then we had some snow overnight. So the water has literally dropped like four degrees the last two days. So the bite's off. The water's muddy. We got an east wind, which is like pushing all the mud in the Lake St. Clair. So it's a tough bite. Yeah, I bet. A, it was a grind all day.
0: That's weird, man, because I'm up here in Northern Michigan and we had like sunny and 52 today. It was like perfect. <laughs>
1: I know. I just got home. I actually live in Clarkston and I got home and it's sunny. <laughs> but uh, it, it's just that little bit of wind down there. Lake St. Clair is so muddy right now from the prevailing winds and all the Canadian rivers dumping in and the farmlands that it's, It doesn't take much. Any east, any east wind really destroys the lake and it comes right down the river and the, you know, the river muds up immediately.
0: So So, just while we're on the subject of that and how do you, how do you adapt to that when you're on the water?
1: Well, I mean, I'm out there day to day, so it's kind of nice because I know what it's like today and then I can kind of predict what it's going to be like tomorrow. So either, you know, if it muds up completely, you just got to either deal with it and grind it out or you can just shoot downstream and hopefully beat it so or get ahead of it okay so i mean if you can get ahead of it like so like this morning i could get ahead of it so we had a good morning but i had to you know i fished the upper river which is near bell isle typically where my boat ramp is and i fished north of the Ambassador bridge but this morning i had to run the wyandotte so we caught them around the, you know the basf and the golf course down there in Longsat, yeah. but the water was good right well come two o'clock for my afternoon charter, well that water's no good no more. So.
0: Hmm. Well, I was out there, I think it was last weekend, I did the same kind of run, a lot of wind out there by the golf course and kind of floated down. And actually, I was there on that Saturday when it was like 25 mile an hour north winds, and it was like blowing <laughs> rain sideways in your face. But I'll say this, man, oh, yeah. I was- I'll say this, they were they're biting nonstop.
1: Oh yeah, it's uh, it, it really doesn't matter what the conditions are outside. Honestly, it's uh, right. more or less the water conditions, you know, water clarity. And then like right now, the river is literally up two feet. Okay. So my marina is like damn near underwater. So like the water is flowing so fast that you know last week we we're one three one four speed. Now that the rivers are going two one, two two, so I mean that river speed or river current, you know, it's going to affect the way the fish bite, and obviously it's really muddy right
2: now. So. Right,
0: yeah, and the higher the water, it'll spread those fish out even more too. The lower it concentrates them a little bit more. So um, yeah,
1: everything, every every little bit, you know, changes that system quite a bit. So
0: yeah, well, you know, that's the cool thing about well, or at least the thing that I like to preach is going out in those conditions, like, don't just be the, the sunny and 50 degree guy that when it goes out, it's more enjoyable. But, you know, sometimes, you know, especially for the weekend warriors, you know, mother nature doesn't really care what day of the week it is. It can be, you know, Saturday or Sunday comes around and you've been looking forward to fishing, you know, it's, it's, you're only going to do yourself a, a favor if you get out there and learn how to fish all those conditions.
1: Yeah, you got to do it. I mean, day in and day out, you know, some, either the weekend warrior that can only fish Saturday or the charter cat and this kind of fish every day. I mean, like you got to fish in it no matter what sometimes. So.
0: right. Well, all right, man. Hey, but so again, thanks for doing the podcast, but you know, for everybody out there who is not aware of who you are, just kind of, um, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, and, uh, how you got started into fishing and, uh, where that led you to where you are now. All right.
1: Well, I guess, I guess, start off with my name, Eric Long. I run long line charters. Uh, we specialize in George River, Lake St. Clair. We do a little bit of Lake Erie, Saginaw Bay. We do Port Huron up in the St. Clair River and then we kind of cherry pick over on Lake Michigan a little bit for salmon, but that's kind of rare. But, you know, I kind of got started in fishing. I grew up in Waterford. Um, I grew up on Pontiac Lake. It's one of the world-class, you know, bass lakes in Michigan, you know, lower Michigan. And, you know, I Spent 16, 17 years on that lake, pretty much fishing in every day.
2: Okay.
1: So I was a big bass guy. Like everybody growing up, you know, he gravitated towards the easy fishing and pretty much, you know, anybody can pick up bass fishing. You can fish from shore, you can fish from a boat. You know, and then I kind of got into the tournament thing a little bit. First job was at Katie Outdoors. It was a local tackle shop in Waterford. It was like the local stop, you know, where all the tournament guys were. And then they kind of got me hooked on to Lake St. Clair. So I pretty much, I'm 37 now, ever since I could drive when I was 16, I started working there. I started fishing Lake St. Clair. And Detroit River is obviously like a novelty thing. I would usually only go there like, you know, a handful of times. I was, everybody wanted to catch bass. So, I mean, I was a big smallmouth guy. So, like, every April, May, I was fishing smallmouth, you know. Right. Every Looking for a bass opener. Every year, oh, bass opener. You go fish that. But now it's, you know, obviously, it seems like you know, as you get older, you start to gravitate towards fish you can eat. So, you know, and then, so I started, you know, I, you know, eventually, you know, walleye fishing, you know, Lake Erie and kind of, you know, grew from there, you know, and then like the muskie thing kind of, we always caught muskie, but we never really targeted them on Lake St. Clair. And in the last 10 years, I've been, you know, focusing on that quite
2: a bit.
0: Yeah. And how was that growing up and learning to kind of fish the walleye side of things on, on Lake St. Clair?
1: Well, Lake St. Clair, like, I can, as a kid, I'd never remember catching walleye in Lake St. Clair and I'd always go to the Detroit River and I guess I never really focused on actually targeting walleye in Lake St. Clair. It was always, I'm going to go to Detroit River. I'm going to fish the lower river, you know, we'd always launch down in Trenton, you know, a little the park, stuff like that. Like it was a typical, like when you think of Detroit River, you have never been there, you think of Trenton channel, you know what I mean? Like I, I can tell you, I haven't fished the Trenton channel in 10 years. Wow. So like, it's, yeah, like I, I just literally don't go down there. If I, if I go over there, I'm going to be on the Canadian side, you know, I fish like Ballard's reef, stuff like that. But I really typically never go down the Trent. You know, I just, do, the do you, fishery is so good from wind up river. That right. You know, it's like a little hidden gem and it's not as accessible, you know, like basically there's two boat ramps at the Northern part of the river. So it's nice. It's good for a charter captain. It's good for the weekend warrior. You know, it's like there's less fishermen. Right. But yeah, I basically grew up fishing the lower Detroit River. I'd go down there. We'd catch a couple walleye and it was cool. And then we'd start bass fishing all year. And then I kind of, you know, the musty fishing at Lake St. Clair is so good that you would catch them bass fishing all the time. And, you know, you get irritated because you're losing your $10 bass plugs or they're biting you off all the time. And you're like, I'm going to start catching these. And then you start targeting those. And, you know, it's it's just like a I kind of I gotta, I guess the term I don't kind of like evolve into that I guess you know what I mean chasing the bigger fish. So.
0: Yeah, and you know Lake St Clair is such a diverse fishery. Like you said, like you know if you're going out there to target smallmouth, most of the time you're probably going to be. I mean that's probably your best chance, definitely for sure in the state of Michigan of hooking into a muskie if you've never done that before. And
1: oh yeah, it's. It's
0: awesome, yeah. And then, like you said, then the walleye side of things now too. Um, you know, obviously the population has boomed there for for walleye as well. I don't know, you know, if if it's just the overall fishery is doing well for all types of fish, or um, you know, but a lot of guys are more targeting Lake St. Clair for for trolling and, and getting onto that walleye bite as well. So,
1: yeah. Well, I think it. I think the last estimation of walleye in Lake Erie, they said 80 to a hundred million walleye. Right. So, I mean, it's just inevitable that those walleye are going to, they're going to spread out from that ecosystem. So the Detroit river has resident walleye all year. You can go in August and jig walleye and catch walleye. Yeah. I mean, you can waterline all year in Detroit river and now we actually troll walleye the entire year pretty much in Lake St. Clair.
0: right a lot of people don't know that either that you can and i actually just recently found that out in the last year or so that there's resident walleye in in detroit river all the time too you can go out there like you said in august and jig for them or whenever
1: yeah and it's different it's not like right now like you are right now you can pretty much them everywhere yeah so like in the summertime like i either do two things i'm either gonna fish the edge of a a sharp drop off of like a natural shoreline or something that holds weak So, like, if there's a weed line and a current break that has, like, a drop-off, that's a real good spot. Or just look at your topograph, find the deepest hole in the immediate river system that you're fishing and drop your jig down there. You're going to catch them. Okay. For some reason in the summer, you can just find – if you find 50 feet of water, you'll catch walleye. And in Lake St. Clair, I mean, it's epic right now for walleye. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. So, I did – uh, put it in perspective. I did a walleye bass combo. I think it's been three days ago. So we jigged up walleye. We got our 20 fish. Came in, had lunch, went back out in the afternoon to cast the bass. We fished for approximately two hours. We caught ten really nice smallmouth, but we probably caught 13 walleye casting for smallmouth.
2: Wow.
1: So, I mean, it, we caught more walleye bass fishing than we caught bass. <laughs> so it's just it's silly I, yeah, I, know. I mean it's it's a good silly but it's fun
2: you
0: know right and exactly and then you know that's that's why I feel like you know Lake St. Clair obviously it's shallow super shallow so it can get dangerous really quick and it's a, and it's a, you know sometimes an uncontrollable chop out there so you know anybody listening to this if you haven't fished it just go out there you know obviously <laughs> and, and do your research because you can get in a lot of bad trouble on Lake St. Clair pretty fast
1: yeah it's the same as Saginaw Bay. Right. northeast hard east, stay off the water. Right. You know, honestly, if it's blowing over 15 from the north or 15 from the east, it's just not fun. (laughs) You know, we have a 31-footer that we musky fish on, and if it's blowing 15, 20 out of the northeast, it's still rowdy in that. You know, there's a good chance that someone could possibly get seasick, you know, we're out there trolling. It's, uh, like you said, it's an average depth of 12 feet. It's 22 by, like, 24-mile lake, and it just, it builds fast, like right now. It'll go from flat calm and get a big wind coming. You have three footers
0: right now. Right. Would you say out of your charter business, clients requesting different types of trips? What would you think is, or what is your most popular?
1: Um, I think it's I think it's walleye, obviously. Um, so we probably do close to seventy, seventy five trips every April, May. Just April, May. Just walleye. And then uh, start the end of April, we do a lot of walleye, smallmouth combo. And then like our second most popular would be uh, musky fishing. We do we do quite a bit of musky fishing between the casting and then trolling throughout the summer. And, I mean that starts the first Saturday in June and it goes into December. Right. We only fish into November, because um, I pulled the boat in November and we go up the port here and we fish up there in the St. Clair River for walleye.
2: Okay. Have you But seen, yeah,
1: muskie fishing is super popular, but walleye yeah. fishing, I mean, I can tell you, walleye is the new bass. I mean, like, I got a, one of my really good friends r- runs a tackle shop in Waterford called the Bait Shop. And I can tell you, like, I grew up at a bait shop. I used to work at, you know, KD Outdoors in Waterford, Michigan, when, you know, if, when I was 16 through 18. And I worked at Dunham's, but like, everybody wanted to bass fish down Right, and now it's everybody wants the walleye fish. I'm telling you, walleye fishing is as popular as bass fishing, if not more.
0: Dude, I hope so. As
1: far as like what, the, yeah, as far as the tackle that you got the stores carry, I mean, like fifty percent of the tackle in all these stores now is for, for walleye fishing.
0: Right, and actually, there was two questions I was going to ask you. <clears throat> One was, I know musky fishing is has probably been the biggest growth sector as recently. You always hear about people wanting to chase after muskie, you know, here in the state of Michigan, over in Minnesota and in, in those kind of lakes. So I was going to see if you had saw an uptick in requests to go after muskie specifically. And then that was my second question too, was how was your, um, you know, your, your, your walleye over the course of the year, but you just answered that.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, the, the most efficient seems like it's been pretty steady. It's, uh, the thing is, is, like, musky fishing, you might have a couple people that come every year, but generally it's it's the person looking for that, you know, that 50-inch fish or just a right. big fish in general. Or they just want a fun trip with their buddies, you know. Like, I musky fishing, I try to, like, put it in perspective to, like, the average fisherman or someone who's coming out. Because walleye fishing, you're going to catch a lot of fish. Typically sure. it's going to be an active day. You're going to go home with fish to eat, and it's just a different type of charter. Musky fishing is like deer hunting. You know, it, it might be a good day. You might see some deer. You yeah. might not, but it's going to be fun either way. So you, you got to like put it in perspective. You know, you might get a couple of fish. You might get 20. You know, we have days where we're getting 20 fish, but you know, that's not every day. You know, we try to average a fish in hours. They say like on Lake St. Clair, if you're fishing by yourself, you know, the lower end of the average, like there's some days passing what we're getting you know, on a boat, you know, eight or 10 fish. Some days we're getting two, but if you can get a fish, eight every. trolling, in theory, we're trying to average a fish an hour. So if we do a six hour trip, we're trying to get at least six fish, you know, and that's unheard in almost any musky body water ever. You know what I mean? So it's just a really good fishery. The average size fish is in the forties. You know, we probably get twenty to thirty, fifty inch fish every year. So I mean, it's it's pretty fun.
0: That's good to hear. Um, I, I, you know, I think a lot of folks obviously they know Lake St. Clair is is a, a great musky factory, but you know, I think because of a lot of the success that happened in Lake St. Clair, and you know, the 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 desire to go out and catch those fish, it's really sparked a lot of um you know, hatcheries to release muskie elsewhere, you know, specifically in the state of Michigan up here in northern Michigan to kind of get that species, you know, out in in other areas for, for folks to target, you know, uh, muskie, you know, especially in northern Michigan. I know it's controversial. Some guys don't like the fact that they're releasing muskie in other lakes and river systems up here, but in my eyes I think it's healthy and, you know, I don't think that it's impacting you know, obviously it's not impacting the walleye population and on Lake St. Clair, but I don't think it's going to impact the ecosystems um, up here as well because I know that's another debate over in Minnesota too on the whole Mille Lacs thing.
1: Yeah, I can't – it's hard to – I mean, I can't really speak for the other lakes, but I can tell you that Lake St. Clair is literally a fish factory, Lake St. Clair Lake here It's just a biomass of fish. You, know, right. you have so much water coming in. And exiting and flowing through it, you know, on a daily basis. You know, you got think, you know, Lake here on the St. Clair River, it comes into Lake St. Clair, it goes through the Detroit River, out to Lake Erie, and it's just crazy uh, the amount of water that comes through and the amount of bait fish and, you know, obviously game fish it holds. It's crazy.
2: Right.
0: Well, cool, man. So you guys had a good day today. Well, the afternoon was a little rough.
1: Well, well yeah. I mean, like we got our limit this morning. We got our 15 fish. The afternoon was slow. I mean, I know I've got other charter captains out there I talk to, and I mean, I've talked to a couple that got five, a couple that got three fish this afternoon. I mean, when I'm saying slow, it was slow. Okay. I think we got eight this afternoon. So I mean, that's the slowest trip of the year. <laughs> Besides the day that we were pre-fishing, I think it was like okay. April first. So it's uh, it's just one of those days. Yeah, so, I don't know if it was the low pressure or the, or the high pressure, who knows? It just, it was cold this morning. I had snow in my car. <laughs> it was, you know, it's just it had an east wind. It got muddy. It's just, you know, it's just one of those days, you know, like you probably saw it. I don't know if you follow some of the tournaments down here. Like, you know, you have the two major, you got the Cabela's and, you know, and you had the, the Michigan walleye tour down here recently. Right. And there was a, uh, I mean, you've got professional walleye guys out there. They're not even weighing a fish. So it's, uh, that river can kick your butt sometimes.
2: It's, you hum- it's they humbling. You can fish
1: day in, day out. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Like, if I can tell you, and I'm not saying it because I'm a guide. I'm telling you, if you've never fished that river, even if you're a walleye guy, get a guide. You know, I have guys that come down all the time that either, they, they, I would say 50% of my clientele, if not more, own their own boat. I talk, but it's really it's really intimidating to go to Lake St Clair, or Detroit River, if you've never been or if you have limited time on the water.
0: No, I say that all the time. Actually, I had another guy down here, Chris Granrud, and I talked about the benefits of you know if you live near a body of water or um, especially one that can be intimidating. You know, you've never you've got let's say like you said they have a boat but they've never been out on it before or that when they go out there, you know, they're not sure how to catch fish. It is worth the you know the few hundred bucks or whatever it is split it with your buddies to go out for a morning or an afternoon to learn how to fish that body of water effectively so that you can go out and do the same in return
1: oh yeah and even if you fish a body of water but you haven't fished it in a while i mean like for me if i went to lake erie tomorrow and i only have one day to fish like if you just put me in perspective as like maybe the average weekend fisherman and I wanted to go on Sunday to Lake Erie and I haven't been yet this year. The odds of me coming home with fish are not very good. right? You know, it's just, it's, you cannot be proficient in a body of water if you're not there all the time. You know, social media does help. And, you know, they have been, uh, some of the stuff, you know, some people hate it, some people don't, but I mean, like you can, you can kind of get a good feel of where you're going now before you're going. I mean, 10 years ago, it was always a crapshoot. I mean, you better have some friends on the water. Or you're not going to catch fish, typically.
0: Yeah, you know, it's there's a lot of debate out there with social media. It's got obviously with anything, any kind of technology, it always has its good and its bad. But you know, in my opinion, when when we share information in a you know a respectful manner, in a way where we can all get along and and build you know some camaraderie on these Facebook groups or whatever they are that's only good for the sport and it's only good to help that helps get other anglers, young anglers involved because I mean, can you imagine being, I don't know, 15 or 16 year old kid who just gets their license and he or she is driving to a body of water and you know, everyone's tight lipped and not telling you how to catch fish. That's really easy how to turn, um, you know, a younger angler off a lot sooner than if he were to get on and, you know, kind of take advantage of those, those forums and, um, in, in groups and things like that. I think it's, I think it's good for the sport. It's just we got to manage it, and you know, like anything, <laughs> be careful. You know.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, like, there's a difference between doing a fishing report, and there's a difference between taking a picture of, like, you know, like here's the deal. It's like fishing reports for my type of fishing is no big deal. I, uh, I give fishing reports out, and I'll tell anybody where I fished. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I fished where I fish, there's so many people that if I'm not, if you can't fish next to somebody else without getting butt hurt or well, you shouldn't come the to Detroit river, I can tell you, oh, yeah. I mean like that's part of the Detroit river. It's like, there's no body of water that you can go to and fish and have a conversation with the boat next to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. You know, the only time ever anybody ever gets upset at somebody is when they're flying up and making big waves and, you know, and right. like, you know, it coming in between boats, and it gets a little rowdy. It's, you know, like if you want to avoid that, go during the week. uh The weekends can be a little rough. I can tell you, from like the Ambassador Bridge down to wyandotte that's ridiculous. I if I gotta fish that during the weekend, I I'm having a bad day upriver because yeah. there's just too many boat ramps right there, and everybody launches, and it's just like a crap show down there. But the reports, I mean, I'll tell anybody where I'm fishing day in and day out. I try to post a, at least a weekly report. I started a Detroit River jigging forum on Facebook. So I try to put a weekly report every Monday or somewhere around there about, like, how, you know, where the fishing's been okay, the colors have been working. You know, I work with Great Lakes Angler Digest. Uh, they post an online report for the Detroit River Lake St. Clair system weekly. I, you know, I send them photos and report. I mean, like they're giant bodies of water. I can tell you, and especially with the Detroit river, you can't really fish the same day twice or same spot twice every day. Like I'm, I can tell you, I, where I end up or I might start where I ended up the day before, but it's typically never the best spot. I can tell you my best spot is a different spot from the previous day. Every single day, that river changes hour to hour and those fish move uh, constantly.
2: Right. Yeah, I
0: agree with that. I mean, like you said, there's a lot of miles of river there and really if you've got, you know, if you could if you, over the years after you gain your knowledge and your experience and stuff like that, you know, you could have a spot of 20 spots that you can go to on that day. I mean, and you just gotta be able to be mobile and and find where the fish are that day.
1: Oh yeah. And then like the fishing reports obviously help, you know, like you said, getting the young kids involved, but we started doing that silver bass stuff. So uh, we were one of the first charters doing silver bass trips. And honestly we do them for basically fuel. I mean, we're not making much money. Um, we do them in the afternoon after a walleye trip. So we'll do them in the afternoon from like three to seven. And I can tell you that is like the best way ever to like, either hook your kids on fishing or, you know, I, a lot of guys want to get their wives on the boat and get them out fishing. And like that literally gets them hooked on the water too.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, this is a big reason why I brought you on the podcast is because after doing research and stuff like that, I've, you know, I've caught the – so just for the listeners listening, there's a few names for uh, silver bass. They're also called white bass. People call them Texas salmon. That's a – I don't know if that's a slang word or what <laughs> I think that it's is. like
1: – yeah, I think that's like a reservoir. I think it's more like for the hybrid. But yeah, I have heard that. Yeah. So Some there's another guy called that. Yeah,
0: so they're like the they're like hybrids of uh like what, striped bass that you might see down south in like Tennessee or Kentucky or yeah. something like that.
1: Yeah, something like
0: that. A little bit smaller, similar um looking. Uh they're usually about ten to eleven inches in average size and I don't know, a pound to less than the pound, you know, in, in weight. Yeah, right around there. But, you know, tell everyone the time of year that they typically start to run, and, uh, and and kind of what you can expect when you're out there on the water.
1: So, typically, we'll start seeing them kind of making their way into the river, you know, like the first week in May. But you can't really target them in effectively, you know, like in May until about the fifteenth. So basically, May fifteenth through like the first week of June. You can pretty much day in and day out go out there and find a school of them and have some fun. It's uh, it's pretty pretty typical to find a mid river, you know. Like you'll it basically May fifteenth they are going to be in the lower river, right. You know, by like the end of May they're going to be at the upper river, and then like the first week of June they should be everywhere. So it, it almost seems like they kind of migrate from Lake Erie. I know I catch them in Lake St. Clair. I know I catch them on both sides, but it seems like the southern part of the river or the lower river is going to, you know, they're going to be in that first. Like there's guys just starting to pick them up right now, down in like Trenton. They're catching them right right now. Now, Not it's any numbers, but they're catching them while they're walleye jigging.
0: Right. And anyone listening out there, this is like, I don't know the, the hardcore walleye guys dread this time of year because <laughs> you, when you go out and you start catching the white bass or, or silver bass everyone kind of deems that as like the bell of the the walleye runs done on um, on the Detroit River and they get annoyed <laughs> and they get off but I'll say this man like you were saying if you've got little you know little ones at home and you're trying to get them in the fishing or like you said your wife or just anybody maybe a co-worker the best time of year is coming up. To get those folks hooked on fishing in general, because really all it takes is one fish. After that, they're gonna have such a great time. You know, fishing is just gonna, uh, it's just gonna be a floodgate that opens for them. But a great way to start kids on it, keep them entertained, and uh, you know, is this time of year coming up that you know that Eric, Eric's describing. Oh yeah, and uh, you know the other good thing too. I want to talk a little bit about. I mean, because there are anglers that actually specifically go out to target these fish, like your, like yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I can tell you, I've been going down to Detroit, I think this will be my, my 20th year, 21st. I, but uh, I literally still have fun catching them. And there's never been a day where I've been walleye fishing and been like, man, I couldn't catch my walleye because there's too many silver bass biting. It never happened. So like, when people say they, the silver bass ruins the walleye fishing, they're insane because... It honestly makes it more fun because, I mean, walleye fishing in general, I mean, like, what if you boat 10 to 15, maybe 20 walleye yourself personally that day, you had an excellent day. Right. But that's a great day. Like, some days, like, you might only boat your limit of walleye and not be able to throw any back, you know, and no fun fishing after that. So, when the silver bass are in, it's fun. You're catching bass, you're catching, I mean, it's active, even if you're not catching a walleye you're catching a silver bass while you're jigging. right? So you're constantly like catching fish. I've never seen anybody get mad at catching a fish, you know? So, I mean, it's fun no matter what. If you're an angler, other than like a commercial fisherman or something, you're never going to be like, man, I wish I didn't catch a fish today. So, I mean, even when they're in there while you're walleye fishing, it's still fun, you know, it's a fish, you know, and they fight good. You know, for a, for a one-pound fish, they definitely fight above their size.
0: For sure. And you got current there too, which is helping the, you know, the fight and everything yeah. as well. Now I've always been told in the past, if you want to try to find where the school of fish are, typically these fish, when they swim up the river, they kind of put on, a, I know they're coming up there to spawn and whatnot, but they also put on like a feed bag and they push all the shad towards like the surface of the river. Is that correct?
1: Exactly. So like everything you've ever learned about saltwater fish and you can kind of apply to silverfish, yes. which is, so it's uh, it's like one of the only fish that like I've never seen a fish so hungry while they're actively spawning. It's the (laughs) weirdest thing. Right. So, and they're so, I mean, they're like piranhas, like the point where they're, I, you, I have them where they're like taking the lure out of the other fish's mouth while you're reeling them in. Like I only run single hook lures because the problem is, it's like, it's always really hard for one to get them untangled. And two, it's like, you end up having a problem. Like, you know, like while you're reeling that in, it's just, like, it's always a crap show. So, like, single hook, barbless, you want to, like, make this as easy as possible to get the hook out. But they're crazy. Like, it's they basically, if you follow the birds, I can tell you at Lake Sinclair, Detroit River, they have a lot of sequels. And there's a lot of industrial stuff along, let's say, from... Wyandotte to the ambassador bridge, mid river, let's call it. And there's a lot of steel mills, there's Doug Island, you know, there's several other, it's all industrial shore. And there's, there's only a few natural shorelines and, uh, you basically, I like to target natural shorelines on private land, obviously, cause then it's not accessible to the public, but there's, you can go to Elizabeth park, you can go to Ballinger park on foot, Right. you, you know, you can go down and trend and you can catch them from shore. I mean, it's there's a lot of people there. I would it's like salmon fishing for white bass, you know, like when you know people stack up at Tippy Dam up in Manistee. But but basically, you're going to look for birds and you're going to look for or fish busting on the surface and current breaks. So basically, you can you can topple the map of the Detroit River and you can look at and you can say, okay, I got a. I got a current break here. I got a current break here. I got a steel mill over here. I got a warm water discharge. I, you know, and you can just get them. I honestly, if you're a walleye guy, you'll find the silver bass. That's how I find the schools of silver bass is like walleye fish. And when I catch fish, you know, obviously I catch a silver bass here. I see him on shoreline, you know, I can see birds. I put on a mental note and then I come back later for the bass. Fishing. I mean, like, I don't think you need to really go there specifically for silver bass. If you have a boat, I would say go there in the morning, go catch some walleye. If it slows down, go catch some silver bass, you know, mm-hmm. like it's I do it all the time. My charters in May you know, if it the walleye fishing slows down, especially if we have kids on the boat, we'll go cast for silver bass for an hour, and then we'll go back to walleye fishing. Because you know, I can tell you, after an hour of silver bass fishing, nobody's standing up no more. They're all sitting on the boat. Their rods are back in the rod holders. <laughs> I mean, it's every cast. Right. You can only catch so many fish before you're like, all right, I need a break.
0: Right. Yeah, and you know, the other good thing too is you don't have to change tackle. So if you're out there walleye jigging or whatnot, um, if you're gonna go target these fish, you can just keep the same jig on, keep the you know, just toss it in the water. Most likely they're gonna hit it before it even gets to the bottom. Um, but you know, any kind of like spinners or, you know, flashy spoons or I mean especially a flashy spoon that's gonna look like the shad swimming around towards the surface. Oh yeah. You're gonna be in good shape you know, casting that thing or even jigging it.
1: Yeah, I can tell you what our number one baits are. What I use for yeah, my sure. keep in a boat. I have a box of just eighth ounce. Jig heads with a twister tail in the back. I bend the barbs down and I can tell you they like destroy them and you can cast and they sink because here's the deal is the fish are weird. They're not really, a, a, and you can graph them. I can tell you, if you know how to read your graph, it it's like the easiest thing to find. So like you can literally just drive down a shoreline and you'll graph them. They're really easy to find. They're suspended and they're, they're, Covers the entire graph from like top to bottom. They're huge schools. So once you find them, basically you're gonna. I use eight ounce jigs, or I use like the little. You see them like the pre-made little swim baits, yep. the little rubber swim baits, the yep. small ones, and I bend the barbs down on those. I can tell you, you catch so many fish. You don't want. You want to bend your barb down, especially if you got kids, because they're. uh, The only downside to silver bass, they're like little armor plated fish. They have like spikes from hell on them. So like you want to make sure that you grab them cautiously. It's like you you grab them from the belly side. It's like different from most fish where you bend the top fin over and then you're going to grab them like a bluegill. You put, you put their palm to the belly Okay. and then you'll never get poked.
0: Oh, there you go. That's a good way to teach kids how but to yeah, fish basically off. Basically,
1: it. it's super simple. It's about the simplest fishery. You Don't use anything expensive. Buy the cheapest jigs you have and put eight-ounce, you know, eight-ounce jigs, twitcher tails, and, like, the little Berkeley swim jigs or Bass Pro swim jigs that are pre-made, got the sinker already in them. They're, like, a five-pack. And, because uh, they destroy everything you have. Right. You know, I've had Dave Maul from, he brought a bunch of Z-Man stuff down one time. And, uh, you know, it's, they just, you know, that's uh, elastic rubber. I mean, about fifty silver bass, and they're even destroying that. You know, <laughs> so it's uh, they're funny. They just fight over the bait. Like you, it's the it's the craziest thing. Like if you haven't experienced it. You'll, you know, you you don't believe it, but I mean, like you're literally reeling a fish, and there's a hundred fish with it. Right. It's the it's the craziest thing. There's a hundred fish with the fish that you're reeling in, so, just swimming in
0: a circle. So here's the, here's the other good tip, and the other thing that you guys can do. If you ever wanted to learn how to, on a calm day, obviously, not a non-windy day, but fly fish and how to get used oh, to yeah. reeling in fish on fly fish, <laughs> this is your opportunity to get out there and figure out how to do it because this is going to be your best bet of reeling in fish and learning how to run that, you know, that spool and the line and all that kind of stuff. These fish, I mean, there's a lot of guys, even you see them on the bank too, like by Elizabeth, Park, fly fishing for these things. And you know, it's a riot. Anything on a fly rod too is blaster wheeling.
1: Oh yeah. I've had guys that come out and they fly fish for them off the boat. Yeah. So, yeah. I was going to mention that. That's fun. And it's, it's, like I said, it's super simple, right. and, but I, we do everything from running, you know, all I was going to say, we run some top water too okay. once in a while. You know, if we just, we just something to change it up, it's fun. Once, because of what happens is like they're not real bitey at first sometimes. Because uh, the shore ones are different because everybody's fishing for them and they get kind of fired up and they're already like kind of fired up. When you find them in your boat, you'll grass them and you got to catch a couple first. Like that, you might it might take 10, 15 casts to catch one. But once you catch one, you can catch fish every cast for an hour. It's just it's nonstop. Everybody in the boat, you have four people fishing and everybody will catch one every cast. Like you start playing the game where I don't want to catch one this cast. I'm going to reel it as fast (laughs) as I can. And you still catch
0: that. You know,
1: it's insane. Like sometimes it hits the water and I can't physically believe a fish has it in its mouth that quickly. You know what I mean? Like it's broke the plane of the surface of the water and it's already eating it. It's crazy.
0: Now you can eat these things too. There's guys that do eat them.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They taste good. Here's the deal. They taste really good. They're very underrated. I, uh, I mean, I fried them and I smoked them. That's I think that's the two best ways to do it. Um, I'm, I'm sure people make like fish patties out of them. You know, they like grind them up and they make like these fish patties and stuff like that. But I think uh, smoking them, like you would smoke like a salmon yep. or a steelhead or a lake trout. Basically, any way you want to cook a lake trout, you can cook a silver bass because they're kind of oily. They fry up really good and they smoke really well. Okay. So if you I. But don't keep like a hundred of them and think you're going to freeze them and then eat them later. That's the only downside on them, I think, is uh, they don't them. freeze like a walleye. Right. They, 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 they thaw out and they're just not as good. So uh, eat them fresh, never freeze them. And if you want to keep a bunch of them, smoke them. Yeah. And what? then uh, they make really good fish dip, stuff like that, too, after you smoke them.
0: What is the, um, the, li- the daily limit for them?
1: it's 25 a person that's on I'm the not. michigan side yeah. if you go to canada there's no limit so with that being said i don't do trips in canada right. but
0: <laughs> too much gas but
1: i uh but i tell everybody i mean honestly like i've had people come home and bring their entire limit i don't clean them i clean all the while i refuse to clean solar bath that's the other thing is like you don't want to clean a hundred solar bath they're like the shape of a crappie but they're like bony not bony No, they're not bony but they're they're just their scales are very very thick so like uh they fry up really good they've you know they're boneless after you flay them they flay out just like a crappie but they're just they wear you out flaying them up so like gotcha. honestly 25 to 30 if you got a group of you know three or four guys just keep them about that and go home you know that's enough fish that you, everybody can eat and you're not going to have to freeze any or preserve any.
0: Yeah. You know, like you said, if you've, if if you don't have to freeze them, but you want a fresh fish fry that's coming up or anything like that, you know, like you said, you're starting to get into more of the fishing where of the fish that you can eat. So this resource and you see guys coming home with buckets full of them. There's a reason why they're doing it. They've got to taste good. They do taste good. I know I've had it before, and, uh,
1: I mean, they saw them in the stores now. Yeah. I mean, like, you'll see them. I think it's, it's not like walleye worth 20 bucks a pound, but I see them, I see them in the stores for sale commercially now for like seven or eight bucks a pound is what they're, I think they're going for. That's
0: why I wanted to do this podcast. I wanted to bring a little bit of optimism to the silver bass and white bass run. You know what I mean? It's like, we've got such a great diverse fishery and everyone like complains that when, the, when the white bass starts to come in, I'm like, man, come on, I got to do a podcast and stick up for this fish a little bit. They're better than what everyone thinks.
1: <laughs> I like the white bass. So yeah. here's another thing. Like the white bass is like a big, like, I mean, I, I, once the white bass come in, I know like everything's kind of like, it's going to be warm soon.
0: Summer's Lucky coming. Seasons
1: opening up. Yeah. Summer's coming. So like, I look forward to white bass and honestly, some of my best musky fishing is like white bass time. So, like basically, that's another thing. It's like Lake St. Clair, Detroit River on the Canadian side. They call it the Sturgeon Hole. And then, like, that whole shoreline over to, like, the Bell River. But that, there's a ton of white bass over there and in the river. So, if you've ever jigged for musky in the Detroit River, June is amazing. I do it in June. I used to do it in the fall. I just. I don't really get to do it that much no more in the fall because I'm up in port here on walleye fishing, but I'm, my boat's down in the water in June. So basically the first Saturday in June, muskie open up is muskie season opens in Canada. If you can, you can jig, I, uh, I jig bonnie baits, a couple other different ones, but typically it's a bonnie bait and basically anywhere you can sign silver bass, you want to jig for muskie. So that's not a very good thing. If like having all these silver bass spots in your back pocket is, the muskie love them. They love gizzard shad. They love chasing the silver bass. It's just like,
0: dude.
1: So it's fun. You jig big old white, you know, seven to nine ounce, I believe, bonnie baits, and it is fun. Like if you like walleye jigging, you'll love muskie jigging because it's that's
0: about a good the tip,
1: you'll ever have. I've, yeah. the,
0: dude, that's a uh, that's key right there. That might be worth listening to the podcast by itself right there. That's <laughs> I didn't know you could jig for muskie.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I mean. That I don't get to do it as much as I used to, honestly, because I'm busy doing other stuff. Um, typically, uh, you know, it takes a special client that wants to go out and jig, you know, seven and a half foot extra heavy duty rods with a hundred pound braid <laughs> with, you know, nine ounce baits. But, you know, I get, I get to do it for fun sometimes or, you know, it's, it's just different. And it's, I used to do it a lot more than I do now, but it's really fun.
0: How is that fun? that's really, current?
1: I associate it. Associate, it's, it's just like walleye fishing. So you, you basically follow your bait just like your walleye fishing, you know, but you, but you're not, you just concentrate like on your contours, you know, I I like that 15 to like 30 feet of water typically. So you're on the contours and that's where all the shad are, the big old desert shad. Yeah. And that's where the, you know, the silver paths are.
0: Oh yeah, dude! So
1: that whole area around like Peach Island around there that they call it the Sturgeon Hole, they have you know all that area is really good. And then like all along Belle Isle, where the Scots middle grounds middle grounds are, the weeds are starting to come up, and you'll jig that whole channel. It's all no wake in there, so it's nice. Ooh. And you can basically jig from like the Sinbad's restaurant all the way to the, the Belle Isle bridge.
0: Dang, dude! I mean, that's that's so like cool. that's like on my yeah. bucket list now.
1: Yeah, it's fun. you gotta come do it. You to uh, it's June. I do it in June typically. I the problem is is I don't have a lot of time to do it. Like June first this year's muskie opener. So basically June first, second I got muskie trips I'm trolling right. and then it's just you know, it starts going off from there. I keep both boats so basically I got a twenty three foot center console that I can do anything on. It set up everything from salmon fishing with downriggers to trolling musky with big boards. The walleye fishing, the jigging, you know, and bass fishing. We musky cast. We do everything on it. It's a nice, perfect, versatile boat. But then I got a 31 footer that we basically just troll, and that's about it. <laughs> but so basically, June 1st, we troll on that thing, and you can put six people on it, and basically deer hunt for musk. Right. And then, but uh, so that starts in June. So I have an overlap. I keep both boats in for June. So April, May, June, the 23 footers in. Starting June 1st, the big boat goes in, and then I pull the, the 23-footer out in July. Okay. And then I just kind of, like, cherry-pick a couple areas. Anytime I got to do a casting trip, I tow it down there, and I put it in. And then it really doesn't see the water other than, until November. I go up to Port Huron.
0: Okay, and then you said that then you head over to Lake Michigan too sometimes for the salmon. What one do you yeah, take over there? July. the, the 20, yeah, I the twenty three footer. 23
1: footer yeah. yeah, yeah, it's just not really cost effective to to bring a thirty one footer across the state. Right. But the uh, the twenty three footer is really nice. It's a nice walk around. You know, it's it's handles big water time. But yeah, I put down on that, and we go out there and have fun. We take it to Lake Ontario for so fun trips. We go over there because Lake I don't know if you. If anyone, if you've been to Lake Ontario for salmon, but basically Lake Ontario salmon, and it's like Mich- Lake Michigan in its prime, you know, it's uh, it's still really good. The stocking numbers are yeah. really high. It's fun. It's really fun.
0: Why do you think that is? Is do because we, they are still stocking in those high numbers versus where Lake Michigan they've cut back.
1: Well, yeah, and they got a bait fish, so uh, it's a different fishery. I mean, like I'm not, I'm not as versed in the Lake Ontario fishery as I am in Lake Michigan. But basically it looks like Lake Erie to me. When I'm out there it's stained water. It's not, you know, it's got a big biomass of bait. Okay. You know, it's not like Lake Michigan. Like right. Lake Michigan's got areas of like desert and then it's got bait. It's like
2: yep.
1: it just it holds so much more life in Lake Ontario. So there's a ton of bait fish. So they still stock. They got heavy stocking levels. There's not and it's almost all stock. They I think they have Near zero, if I'm I could be corrected, but near zero natural reproduction, they stock it's almost all harbor stocking and right. very little river stocking in Lake Ontario. Maybe on the, on the New York side, I'm not really familiar with that side, but I know I fish out of Toronto typically. Okay, and it's all marina stocking for the most part.
0: Where, what I mean, obviously the fishing, but it seems like not as many guides or folks fishing go to the Canadian side as often as you talk about it? What draws you over to that side? <laughs>
1: uh, well, here's the deal. A, lack of fishermen, B, watercolor.
0: So,
2: okay.
1: I mean, if bat, like, if you're getting into walleye fishing, like you would never know, I want to go fish that dirty water. You know, like you look at the river and you're like, wow, that's really dirty. And then you look at the, the U.S. side and you're going to say, wow, that's clean, I'm going to go over there. The problem is they're not going to be there. There's no cover for these fish. The only thing they can associate with is stained water. So right. they're going to be in that stained water 90% of the time. So the, like Lake St. Clair, basically the southeast shore is really muddy. The Canadian shoreline is really muddy. Okay. So that's why like today was really hard fishing. A east wind blew that mud out of their channel came down in the river. And it you know, it made fishing tough, right. but, the prevailing winds keep it over there. And as long as it stays on that side of the river, we have, we'll set up a good mud line. And like day in and day out, if you want to catch fish, you can pretty much, if you find a mud line, you can, you're going to want to go fish it. Right. And that's a good starting point. But typically that mud line's in Canadian waters. So that's pretty much why we're there. I, I would say 90% of my walleye trips are in Canada. Okay. And I think that one of the key reasons to be, I, you know, I, we're, we're pretty successful as far as getting fish on a day in and day out basis. And I think one of those keys are obviously, you know, fish Canada. I mean, if we couldn't fish Canada, I can tell you, we wouldn't limit out nearly as much.
0: You know, I want to get into fishing Canada more. I just want that, that card and that, you know, that advantage in my back pocket, like you, like you use it for when you, like you said, when it's time you got to go get some fish, and you wouldn't be nearly as, as successful with your charter business if you, if not that, if you didn't have that tool. But a lot of people, I think, it's intimidating. Some folks just don't want to learn the rules and regulations that you have to go through in order to go over to Canada to fish those bodies of water, you know, call in who you're taking and all that kind of stuff and what you caught, and it's intimidating. But if I think if you figure that system out like you have, it's a lot more rewarding as well.
1: Yeah, it's, and honestly, it's not that big a good deal. I mean, Lake St. Clair, Detroit River, St. Clair River is all border water, even Lake Erie. Right. I mean, it's it, basically, if you wanted to go to Canada, you need some kind of travel document. So whatever travel document that you would drive to Canada with or go out of the country is what you want. So a passport, enhanced driver's license if you live in Michigan, or if you're fishing, they'll accept a birth certificate. Okay. Or if they're... A juvenile or you know they'll accept a the birth just give it a with a parent guardian present or a letter you know it's they're not really like they don't honestly they don't it's not like crossing the border but they want one of those three things at least okay. and you just need a canadian fishing license we don't have to call in no more as recreational fisher. that's right yeah so it's super it's super simple now i mean it used to two years ago it was a nightmare i had to call in. i've had six people on my boat i had right. to call in and get everybody's name and i had to get a call in number and then You know, it's a little different now, but as a recreational fisherman, you have one of those three documents, you buy a Canadian fish license and you go fish. And as far as fishing regulations, it's even easier. You know, you can keep six fish versus five and there's no size limit. So, I mean, uh, granted, you're not going to keep a 10 inch fish, but if it's 14 and a half, you don't need to break out the bump stick. You just throw it in the live. Right. You know, and so it's like, it takes out a ton of the guesswork. It's, I think it's easier, it's better fishing, it's quicker. You know, there's it is not much many disadvantages. The only disadvantage I would see as a recreational fisherman and doesn't fish a lot is it doesn't affect me too much, but if you go to Canada and you get get a limit. So say me and you go over there, we get twelve fish, we're done. There's no fun fishing in Canada yeah. after you get your limit of walleye. Oh no shit. So, so if they see you out there done. still
0: fishing, you're in trouble.
1: You can get Yeah. You can get a ticket. So oh. if they come over there and they see you throwing fish back oh. and they come over to your boat and say, Hey, how can you throw that fish back? And, and you will be like, well, we had a limit and they can write you a ticket for that. Right. So in Michigan, you can, it's the same as Canada. There's no call fishing for walleye in either side of the, either Michigan or Canada, which is like everyone thinks you can call fish in Michigan. Technically you can't. So like once you fill up your live well, they don't enforce it really, but you have to, you can still recreational fish in Michigan, but it's called, it's no different than bass fishing. It's catch and immediate release. So catch, throw it back. Right. You can do that in Michigan. But the problem is that once you go to Canada, you have six fish in your live well. So I want you like, you can't go to Michigan and fish for 12 fish in the boat. of mean you go fish when the limit's 10. Now we're over a limit. Right. We're over our possession. So it's like, you just got to know all the little ins and outs and then, you know, like If you don't know, you know, there's no, ignorance isn't, you know, an excuse. You need to know the law. They'll write you tickets, you know. And I can tell you, I fish a lot of different bodies of water. Detroit River is the most enforced river or body of water I've ever been on in my entire life. So between all the different agencies out there, they're always within, like, eyesight of you. I can tell you. It seems like wherever you're at on that river, you can see either... A Detroit police boat, a sheriff boat, border patrol, coast guard, you know, and then you got the RCMP boats, you got the Canadian
2: ministry. I mean, they're
1: everywhere. You got the helicopters flying over you all day. Yep. So it's like, I would, you know, they don't be foolish. I mean, if you're going to break the law, they'll find you. That's for sure there.
0: Yo, you know, and I'm kind of happy that they are doing that because, you know, as you see in the news recently, anybody following social media or any kind of news outlet
1: yeah 80 walleye 80 walleye <laughs>
0: that's right some dumbasses <laughs> did that and then the other thing the dumbasses did was they oh it frustrates me they had that cooler i think it was on the way back on the west side of the state and they found like how many fillets in there i
1: don't even know i i i did read i remember that that one was a little bit further ago longer ago i they were i think they were out of dot too so really? i mean yeah
2: uh, it's frustrating yeah, and then uh yeah
1: it is frustrating it, it's it's I don't know. I, I mean, I, I love what they do. You know, it's, uh, we get COs down there every day. I, I mean, as a charter captain, we all, I know probably five of them. They're all in the Detroit River by their first name. You know, we see them all the time. I, I pretty much eat lunch at Sinbad's every day. You know, they do a cook and catch there at Sinbad's, uh restaurant marina. It's literally the next marina over from mine. They I bring in our walleye from the morning. You know, I usually have lunch with my charter guys in the morning. And um, or my clients, you know, so we'll fish in the morning, get a limit, or get their limit, you know, take their fish, chop it up, some of them, and then for eight bucks a person, they'll uh give you a plate of fries, a plate of coleslaw, and they'll cook your fish for you. Oh, that's, so that's awesome. pretty cool. But you see, like you see, all the agencies up there all the time, you know. So it's like you know everybody, and then it's crazy though, like that people try to get away with that stuff. I'm just glad people turn them in because honestly, like more people get away with it than anybody
2: knows. Oh yeah, you
1: know, so like. The ones that, like that 80 person, that that person with the 80 wall, I guarantee you that they didn't just stop them. You know, like they were bragging about somebody and someone turned that thing, which applaud that person for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Keep it going. Well, Eric, I've kept you 53 minutes now. We could BS all day long, but I really appreciate you coming on. This is great, man. I feel like I've known you forever, but thank you for sharing all the great information uh, With all of us, and you know thanks for helping me stick up for the the silver bass and or the white bass oh the, yeah uh, the there's, detroit there's, River.
1: it's an easy argument it's really <laughs> it's a fun fishery i mean i like, i can't see anybody getting mad at catching fish i mean like if you' if you don't like catching them then you probably shouldn't
0: be amen, brother. Where can folks find you at on uh social or uh or look up your charter business
1: so on Instagram and Facebook, if you just go or look in long line charter it's just three words. Um, that'll be on and then uh, chartergreatlakes.com is my website
0: awesome well I'll link to that in the show notes again thanks for coming on after a long day hard day on the water and uh, I wish you all the success uh, in the future And we'll be talking hopefully soon some some other day
1: yeah thanks a lot I'll talk to you soon
0: alright buddy see ya alright bye that's it that's another episode in the books I want to thank Eric from Long Line Charters coming on the podcast and talking and sharing so much valuable information with us That musky spot in June for jigging for him sounds legit. I definitely want to try that. Remember to head on over to Eric's website at chartergreatlakes.com. Check out his website. Check out the fish that he's been getting into. Uh, You know, ask him questions. He sounds like a legit guy that's going to definitely help you catch more fish. And book a trip with him. Like he said, even if you have a boat, book a trip with him and go out and learn how to fish uh, for new techniques for a, a type of fish that you've always wanted to go for. In the meantime, everybody, remember to subscribe, leave a review, and I will catch you right back
2: here for another episode of the podcast. As always, thanks for listening.